seven years of college down the drain. Look at that. A space just opened up. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. All righty then. Hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am Gamer Dude. Glad to have you with us for some more stories this week. Today, I've got stories about my college experience. It's that time of year when people are going back to school, and every time August rolls around, I always go back to my back-to-school days. I've talked about back-to-school quite a bit. School was the focal point of our lives as children. That was our life. I mean, there was school, there was after-school too, there was play after school. But think about it. School was the big part of your life when you were growing up. From 7 a.m. to 3 p.m., that's a full day. So school was always a focus of my life because it was a big part of my life. And when college rolled around, it just was another chapter in that book of going to school. It was never a question when I was growing up that I was going to college. Now, this is back at a time when they didn't charge you $20,000 a year or $30,000 a year or $40,000 a year for college. I went to school before the prices got crazy, before the universities got greedy, before it became a for-profit industry. I mean, that's what it is these days, let's be honest. When I went to school, I think the tuition to go to Bowling Green was something like less than $10,000. I don't know 100% because my parents had banked everything they'd been saving since I was born to have the money to send me to school. And even then, we still had to take out loans. But it wasn't a huge amount, but it was a huge amount compared to how much my parents were making. Don't forget, my mom was a stay-at-home mom. My dad was the sole breadwinner. So he was putting money away. He was taking care of a family. And we still needed loans, even though tuition was less than $10,000. They didn't include me in a lot of the money-making decisions. They didn't include me in a lot of the spending decisions. But I was aware that college was expensive. I was also aware that out-of-state schools, I wasn't going to a New Jersey school, I was going out-of-state, and I learned that out-of-state schools charge out-of-state tuition. So on top of the money that they charged you for tuition, they had a bonus fee for anybody coming from out of Ohio. That's where Bowling Green is, of course. And actually, the out-of-state fee was greater than the tuition. I remember that much because my parents talked to me about that. And one of the reasons they talked to me about that was so that I could find a way not to be out-of-state anymore which I actually did. That was one of the projects that I was charged with when I went to Ohio. I had to establish Ohio residency. So that was part of my college experience. But I'll get to that in just a second. One of the things that inspired me to return to college today was because we're at that time of year where we're all returning to college, either in real life or in our memories. Bowling Green started in mid-August. That's when classes started. And any time mid-August rolls around, I remember that trip out to Ohio. And I know I talked about this a couple of seasons ago, but my mind always returns to this every single year like clockwork. So I'm going to share a little bit of it with you again because my college experience, the going away to college part, is very different from a lot of people that I've seen, and it's totally different from what you see on TV or in the movies. And the reason I'm talking about it again is because I always remember it. I always remember that trip that I had to take by myself from New Jersey to Ohio to start college. Looking back at the kind of kid that I was, introverted, the fat kid, shy, didn't like to leave the house, basically the way I am now, but that was a huge thing for me, going away to college. I think that's one of the reasons that my parents wanted me to go to Ohio, was so that I would come out of my shell, so that I would have to be out there, experiencing things, doing things, meeting people. I was not a social person as a kid. 
Now, when I started college, I was no longer the fat kid. As you probably remember from previous episodes, I dropped a lot of weight in high school. So from the outside, I looked good. I was six feet tall, 180 pounds. I looked like your average college student. In my mind, I was still the short fat kid, so I was very insecure as I was packing up my car and getting myself ready to go to Ohio. But I certainly couldn't show that because my parents wanted me to go to school. There was a part of me that wanted me to go to school. There was also a part of me that wanted to curl up in the fetal position and hide in my closet, but I was able to overcome that. But it was that shy, short, fat kid who was nervous around people, who wasn't very social, who had zero social skills. That's the kid who was getting in my Volkswagen bug, loaded to overflowing with all of my belongings. Well, all of the belongings that could fit into two suitcases and half a dozen boxes. But that was the kid who was getting in that car and driving by himself to Ohio. And I know I talked about this previously, but this is one of those things that still amazes me that I was able to do. And that's why my mind goes back to it every single year. I know a lot of kids go to college. I know a lot of kids start school. The family packs up the station wagon or these days the minivan or the SUV or the pickup truck. You got boxes and boxes of clothes, things to decorate the walls, separate closets, special quilts. We won't even talk about the electronics that everybody brings. And I know when Gamer Dude Daughter went to school, the pickup truck was loaded, man. It was loaded. And we drove her up there. And all the other parents drove their kids up there. They had to have a special sign-in procedure. They had to have a special loading procedure. Because so many parents were bringing their kids to school. And we see it in the movies. It's a big family outing. Everybody gets in the car, gets in the minivan. They take Chad or Buffy off to school. Get them set up in their dorm take them out to dinner that night. There's that parting in the hallway when mom and dad have to leave. Chatter Buffy are in tears. Or Chatter Buffy are really glad to see mom and dad go. But either way, there's the parting scene when they leave the kid at school and mom and dad drive home all sad but all happy at the same time. That didn't happen for me. That was not my experience. My experience involved me at the top of the driveway at my parents' house in New Jersey. I really was driving a Volkswagen Bug, and if you've ever seen one of the original Volkswagen Bugs, there's not a lot of room in them. There's the trunk, which is in the front of the Bug, because the engine's in the back. There's the back seat, and there's the passenger seat. That's the amount of room you have, and it's not a lot. The plan for me was to pack my stuff in my car, and I would drive myself out to Ohio. The driving itself didn't bother me. I loved to drive. I had no problem driving. It was all the stuff that was going to come after I got there. That was the stuff that I was worried about. But my college experience started at the top of my parents' driveway where everybody said goodbye. See ya. Have a nice experience. I remember there was hugs. I remember there was words of wisdom. There's one or two pictures that were taken. Because don't forget, this is also at a time when nobody had cameras. I mean, we had cameras. But our cameras were those Instamatics with 24 pictures. We saved them for special occasions. And apparently me going away to school wasn't a special enough occasion. Because I think there's like two pictures from that day. We didn't memorialize the day. We didn't do anything on that day. I hopped in my car and drove off. That was how we memorialized the day. See ya, gamer dude. Goodbye. That was it. But we didn't have a history of movies to show us how that was supposed to happen. We didn't have a lot of helicopter parents hovering over us every minute of every day when I was a kid. Now, I don't know how my parents went to school, but I suspect that their parents didn't take them either. I suspect that their parents pinned a $20 bill to their chest and said, good luck, or something like that. Because there was never any question that my parents weren't taking me to school. 
I mean, as I've explained in the past, my dad had his job, they were getting ready for vacation because Bowling Green started in mid-August and dad's vacation was at the end of August, so we certainly couldn't interrupt vacation. My mom was home taking care of my brother and sister, had to get them ready for school, and of course, vacation. Yeah, it's no lie, I had to leave for school. My first day of classes, I believe, was August 14th or August 15th. I had to be there a couple of days early for orientation. And of course, as longtime listeners know, Dad's vacation was the last two weeks of August, and we certainly can't disrupt the vacation schedule. Now, I don't remember this to be true, but it's entirely possible that the day that I left for Bowling Green is also the day that they left for vacation, because that's the last two weeks of August, August 15th, halfway through August. I don't remember clearly that that was the case, but knowing my dad, it certainly wouldn't surprise me that that was the case. All right, you go start college. Good luck to you. We'll be in Virginia. I think that's an entirely realistic scenario. But in any event, I hopped in my car and I drove myself to school. And I took the trip in two days. I drove a little more than halfway the first day. And I got to Bowling Green early afternoon, noon, one o'clock, two o'clock, somewhere in there. Now, when I got there, I did see other families there. I saw other families helping their kids move into school. And no, that didn't make me feel lonely at all. Not at all. Of course not. Why would me, the shy, introverted kid, arriving at Bowling Green all by myself, feel at all lonely when I saw other families helping their kids move into school? Didn't bother me at all. All right, I'm lying. It felt weird. I saw families moving people into dorms. I'm there, a kid with a Volkswagen. That's it. But you know what? I wasn't going to go home and get people to come with me. I'm 10 hours away from home. We couldn't change the plan at that point. It was me there with my stuff. So I parked the car and moved my stuff into the dorm. What else am I going to do? Now, I was nervous about getting there just because I was going to be away from home by myself. But if you remember me talking about this from the first season, I was also nervous because of my roommate. Longtime listeners will remember that my room was on the international floor of the dorm that I was in. And the international floor paired one American student with one foreign student. Now that whole idea scared me too because I had a hard enough time dealing with people who could speak English. I was worried that I'd be with a roommate who didn't speak any English. So then we'd have two lumps sitting on their beds far from home, not communicating. I was worried about that. I was so worried about it, I still remember the guy's name. All these years later, I remember my first roommate was supposed to be Brummel Castellani. Good old Brummel. I never met Brummel because Brummel never showed up. I never knew why. Nobody ever explained it to me. I was there three days ahead of the start of classes and Brummel never showed up for any of those three days. Never went to orientation, never came to any floor meetings. It was just me in a room by myself. So as you might expect, that didn't make me lonely either. I don't know if it was worse not having Brummel there than it would have been if Brummel had showed up, but I was by myself. Now I knew I wasn't going to be by myself forever, Because I also knew that there was overcrowding in the dorms. Oh yeah, the stories circulated throughout campus. Some of the dorms had three people in them when they were only supposed to have two. Now, the computer system was nothing like it is now. I'm sure there was some guy going through a checklist that he'd handcrafted on a piece of graph paper trying to match up people with empty rooms. But it took them about four or five weeks to figure out that Brummel had never shown up and they had an empty bed in Gamer Dude's room. So I finally did get a roommate. But those first four or five weeks... Boy, oh boy, were those tough weeks for me. Now, don't forget, I'm a New Jersey kid. No one in Ohio knew that I was a shy, introverted, former fat kid who was still living the short, fat kid's life, at least in my head. I was just this kid from New Jersey. And if you know anything about the Midwest, and if you know anything about New Jersey, people in the Midwest don't necessarily automatically warm to people from New Jersey. I learned this years later from people who went back to the same dorm 
as did I. We liked that dorm. We just didn't know each other. But the same people who were there my freshman year came back to the same dorm the sophomore year. And because I knew some familiar faces, we actually started becoming friendly during my sophomore year. But during my freshman year, nobody made any overtures to be friends with me except one kid from Canada. One kid from Canada who had lived down the hall. He and I became friendly-ish during that first year. And we became closer in my second year. But that first year, I had the New Jersey stigma. And nobody really made overtures to be friendly with me. I mean, you see the same person every day for eight months. You eventually start to warm to them or at least acknowledge them a little bit. So by the end of my freshman year, people were saying hi and they realized, oh, I wasn't quite as big a jerk as they figured most people from New Jersey were. But those first four weeks, man, those were tough. And I was miserable. One of the few amenities we had in our dorm rooms was a phone. Now, we couldn't make outside calls. We could call other dorm rooms. But the only way we could make an outside call to, like, New Jersey was with a credit card or by reversing the charges, making a collect call. So I made a lot of collect calls. I was on the phone just about every day to my parents. I learned years later that it was literally hundreds of dollars in collect phone calls that I made. But my parents knew that it was difficult for me, so they accepted the charges, thankfully. And they talked me off the ledge every single day. And they promised me it would get better. And I swore that it wouldn't. And that I desperately wanted to come home. And they said, you can't. Stay there. Stick it out. You'll be fine. And damn it if they weren't right. But they were. They were right. I did stick it out. I did meet my new roommate. We got along. We weren't best buddies, but we got along. And I got through that first year. But boy, that adjustment period, man, it was so hard. That was the most alone I've ever felt in my life. I mean, I've been alone in my life. I actually like being alone. But when you're 18 years old and you're out on your own, never having been on your own ever before, and you're shy... And you don't meet people easily or well because my social skills were really poor. I did not know how to make friends. I did not know how to meet people. I mean, people say, oh, it's easy to meet people. Just go up and say hi. (laughs) It's not that easy. What is this craziness? Just go up and say hi? No, I'm not doing that. People don't understand that for some people, that little act of just go up and say hi, it's very difficult. And it was very difficult for me. It's still very difficult for me. I mean, I've learned to do it because I have to. But it was so hard those first few weeks, let me tell you. But one of the things that I had to do, aside from attending class, of course, during those first few weeks, was that project that my dad gave me, which was try to establish Ohio residency. And the reason for that was so I would not have to pay the out-of-state fee to go to Bowling Green anymore. Now, I don't know if you know, but a lot of universities have very strict requirements on what constitutes being an in-state resident. Why? So they can screw you out of the out-of-state fee. That's why. There's no logical reason that they should charge you an out-of-state fee. It's not like they don't have the space. The universities, the colleges, they all pretend to have limited space. They'll find room for you if they want you there. Oh, Mr. Gamerdude, thank you so much for that generous contribution to the Alumni Fund. Look at that. A space just opened up. But once they find room for you, if you're out-of-state, oh yeah, they'll soak you. And that out-of-state fee was a huge hit. That basically doubled my tuition. So one of the things that I discovered during those first few weeks is I didn't actually have to have a permanent residence in Ohio at the time that I was there in order to qualify as an Ohio resident. I had to have a mailing address and I had to have an Ohio driver's license. And so what I discovered is it's not hard to get a mailing address. That's why God invented post office boxes. So I got myself a post office box. 
Then I went to the Department of Motor Vehicles, and I asked them, can I get an Ohio license while I'm living on campus? And they said, sure, give us your address. So I gave them my dorm address, and they gave me an Ohio license. The other requirement for in-state residency, you have to be a resident for a year. Okay, well, I got my post office box in August. I got my Ohio driver's license in August. That means a year from August, I'm an Ohio resident. And sure enough, for my sophomore year, for my junior year, for my senior year, I was able to get rid of that out-of-state fee. And my dad was eternally grateful for that. I also worked on campus as a resident advisor during the last part of my junior year and all through my senior year. And what the university does when you're a resident advisor, they pay you room and board. That's right. You don't have to pay for your dorm. You don't have to pay for your food. And that was a huge savings to my dad. And he, again, very appreciative. But I was very aware of how much college cost, even back then. Even though the numbers weren't as seriously outrageous as they are these days, they were still high. And I knew my dad was working hard. So when I got the opportunity to be a resident advisor and take care of my own room and board, I knew that was the right thing to do. It didn't hurt that I liked being a resident advisor. I would have found another job if I needed to. But the resident advisor job was absolutely perfect for me. And it was absolutely perfect because I was able to help out my dad as well. Now, the resident advisor, I didn't get that job until the third year. You can't be a resident advisor until your third year. Those were the rules. But the resident advisor, in case you don't know, is the guy or girl who lives on a floor and is basically the senior resident in the house and is there kind of as the counselor slash policeman slash information station for all of the younger people in the dorm. It's a position of responsibility. You have to apply for it. You have to take classes for it. You have to be approved for it. But once you get that approval, then you're an RA. And I actually enjoyed it. I know that sounds weird for the introverted, shy kid that arrived at Bowling Green as a freshman. By my junior year, I was much more open to things, to life, to being social. That's one of the benefits that I got from going away to school. It forced me to be social. Yeah, mom and dad were right, I know. And I told them they were. I did. But in the two years from my freshman year to my junior year, my attitude and my confidence had changed significantly. I liked the idea of being the resident advisor, and I actually actively looked for it. I lived in dorms with resident advisors all of the time in college, and I really liked what they did. I really liked that position. I really liked being the one that people would go to for help or information. I liked being responsible for maintaining some sort of order on the floor. I mean, I didn't want to be the cop. I didn't want to be the narc, but I understood the need to make sure that people weren't getting drunk in the hallways or peeing in the corridor. But I liked being there to help people. That was really what the RA's job was, and I enjoyed that. But I wouldn't have discovered that about myself unless I'd gone away to school. And I can't emphasize enough the difference between Gamer Dude as a freshman and Gamer Dude as a junior was like two different people. Those two years where I grew and learned and experienced different things was a huge opening up of me that I really appreciate and that I really value. I'm not talking about any of the coursework. I've talked about coursework. I've talked about changing my majors many times in college. Me growing as a person had nothing to do with any of the courses that I was taking. Me growing as a person had everything to do with being put in a situation where I had no other alternative. I had to grow. I hated it. I hated it for the first six weeks. All right, let's be honest. I hated it for the first trimester. I say trimester because Bowling Green had a quarter system. Some schools have semesters, so it's half years, 15 or 20 weeks. Bowling Green had shorter trimesters, 12 weeks each. So I only had to get through the first 12 weeks, and then I'd be done with the first trimester. But then there's a second trimester, and then a third trimester before you're done with school in late May. 
And that freshman year, I didn't think I was going to get through the first one. And when I came home at Christmas time that first year, I didn't want to go back. Well, it's already paid for, said my dad. So you're going back. And so I went back. And you know what? I started coming out of my shell that first year. I started coming out of my shell during the spring of that first year. And I came home at summertime. And I was happy to be home at summertime, and I had a job, and I went to the beach, and I did all the stuff that college freshmen do after that first year. I got a girlfriend, we went places, we traveled, we did things. But when that second year rolled around, when the beginning of my sophomore year was ready to start, I was ready to go. I actually wanted to go back to school. I wanted to go back to see the people that I'd started making friends with at the end of my first year. And as it turns out, one of those guys was my roommate for my sophomore year. Now, I didn't know him well, but I knew him as one of the guys on the floor. This is generally a guy thing, but it's also a gamer dude thing. Guys don't pay attention to names. They pay attention to faces. They pay attention to things like sports teams. Oh, he's a Browns fan? Okay, good. They pay attention to the car that they drive. They don't pay attention to names. As a guy, you can go to the same bus stop every year for seven years. Take the same bus into the city. See the same guy on the bus next to you for seven years and never know his name. But you'll know he's a Yankees fan and that he drives a blue Corvette. But you'll never know his name because that's what guys do. So when I got my roommate assignment for my second year, I recognized the name, but I couldn't remember which guy it was. But the good part was it was a familiar name. So I figured I knew him. And when I got to school for August of my second year, I recognized, oh, this guy. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And we had a couple of bumps in the road early on, because whenever you have two strong personalities being forced together for the first time, you're going to have some friction. But I think we had one semi-major disagreement that first year within the first couple of weeks. And then after that, we became like best friends, which was kind of cool for me because I'd never had a best friend. And then the guys next to us, who I also remembered from the first year, oh yeah, those two guys, I remember them. They were roommates for the second year together, too. And one of those guys also became one of my best friends. And that's all because I was thrown into the situation my first year, was forced to mingle, and made some friends. Like, for the first time in my life. And it was really kind of cool. It's funny. I don't remember all of the details about everything that happened or everything that I did in school. I remember going to the pizza places. I remember going out to a few clubs. I remember going to basketball games and hockey games. And I remember having a good time. That's the thing that I remember the most about college. I remember having a good time. I remember enjoying life. I remember what it was like for the first time to enjoy life on my own without having to answer to anybody. And to me, that's the most important aspect of any college experience. Learning to be the person that you're going to become, sanding off those rough edges that are still there from high school, making you learn a little about yourself and your abilities, and giving you the confidence to do things on your own for the first time in your life. That's why college to me isn't just about the classes. The classes are important, but the whole experience, the living on your own, the doing your own thing, the learning to be you, that's the most valuable part of college. At least to me. Anyway, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. As always, I can't thank you enough for your time and your support and your kindness. It means the world to me, and I truly do appreciate it. Until next time, you guys take care of yourselves, and I'll see you when I see you.